welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. Your number one source for theories, news and discussion. And interviews from the books and the films like me, Rupert Grint. I play Ron Weasley in the Harry Potter films. And now your hosts, Melissa, John and Sue. Welcome, it is Pottercast number 120, that's 120, and we are here again. I'm Melissa, I'm here with John and Sue, and we're in for another hour-ish, kind of, yeah. period of Potter discussion, theories, stuff. We're still stuff. doing it. Still doing it. 20 weeks. We still think it's fun. Yay! We do, do this every and so week. So do you, apparently, because you're still listening. Yes, thank you so much. That's right. So, this week we have our second edition of Bit by Bit, where we talk about another whole chapter. This is not going to be a chapter by chapter kind of thing. No, we this, are not calling it that. Well, this well, it just fits naturally because the second chapter is very much about the articles um, and Dumbledore. Uh, so we couldn't really separate it out. But our Phoenix Files goes further into the Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix movies. We hear again from our lovely ladies at Scrooby Five. We again don't have a panic in Undrums this week. We've had some scheduling and recording difficulties. So that will wait till next week. And on that note, I think it is time, as always, to hear from our lovely friends at The Borders. <laughs> the Borders! You know, I was actually just at Borders. Uh, I bought a cookbook because I sometimes enjoy cooking. Mm-hmm. I don't always burn everything. It was a delicious book about uh, cooking on a walk, and that's like my favorite kind of cooking. Really? It was. Yeah. Don't don't, don't tell my Italian grandparents though, no. because I they would prefer I would enjoy cooking sauce the most. But I love cooking on a stir fry. Not many Italians, I think, do that. I do Maybe that. Maybe I'm wrong. I do that. We do. Like we we saute things, but we just not like high heat. Oh my god, spicy, spicy peppers and this and that. Well, anyway, I got that broken borders, and I was pleased to walk in there with my thirty percent off coupon. But no, you didn't. You told me today that you forgot to bring it. Well, you now how does that help anybody? Yeah, because they see the woe of what happens when you forget your coupon. All right, fine, I lied. I forgot (laughs) to bring in my coupon, and I tried to tell them. I pulled up podcast on my Uh on my phone. And they're like, oh, okay, well, just this one. So they were cool about it. So, okay. all right. I don't know if I believe that because I've tried that yeah, well. and it didn't work. But I guess I'm not John Dollish. It's an international crawling card, don't you know? Well, you know, all I had to do was flash with my John Dollish smile. <laughs> that was it. I, I, asked, I, I said, now, which character of the Potter books are you named after? That Borders <laughs> guy? <laughs> no, I didn't say all that. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Come on. Today's podcast is brought to you by Borders. Haven't read Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows yet? Don't worry, Borders is here to help. Pick up your copy of this summer smash hit soon. You won't be able to hide through the spoilers forever. You can count on Borders to have it in stock and ready to take home tonight, along with the audiobook version. Even if you've read the book, the Harry Potter fun doesn't have to end yet. Visit Bordermedias.com or click on the Borders banner at the top of the podcast page to find out more. And I'm... Dang happy it doesn't have to end yet, or else no, I don't know what we're doing here. That's right. All right, Sue, what's happening this week in the world of Harry Potter news? Well, we, we talked about doing Phoenix Files, and we have some more news about the Order of the Phoenix movie, which has now become the second top-grossing Harry Potter movie of the Ooh. series. Wow. Whoa. What's the first one? Let me guess. First one is Chamber of Secrets. Mm. No. Nope. Oh, I know. It's got to be Sorcerer's Stone. It is. Woo! It is. That's interesting. Five... Second to the first. Uh, first. 
Uh, I, you know, I think that first one just came out. There was so much. I just remember the, how exciting it was when it came out. Mm-hmm. It was just such a big, big, huge. I mean, the press splash on it was just everywhere. And was, I remember. I mean, I do. I remember it. It was just amazing. And that made, and it opened, I think, on Thanksgiving weekend, right? And it was just made huge mm-hmm. amounts of money. And it's huge still. Jobs. Yeah. But Order of the Phoenix is doing amazingly well over internationally, too. I mean, somehow like $933 million. I mean, crazy. You know. I mean, come on. That's brilliant. You know, that's like that's like four hundred tickets to the movies. <laughs> what? You know, the movies are so freaking expensive these days. But I'm glad it's oh. doing well. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, Harry Potter is gobbling away all the top ten spots on the international gross. It is. It really is. <laughs> Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter, Harry Potter takes awesome. over the world. Yeah. I predict that the most number one grossing Harry Potter film is the film version of Fantastical Beasts and Creatures and Where to Find Them, coming out circa 2012. <laughs> That's you're going to say, like 2020. No, no, they won't wait that long. Yeah. Oh, dear. You know, I mean, what are they going to do? Like, have it like, follow like a hippogriff around and just say he wandered <laughs> through? It'd be like a natural, <laughs> an, a national geographic kind of like a, a, animal planet. Uh, yeah documentary where it's like we follow the hippogriff here in its natural habitat <laughs> i'd As love to it. see who they cast for newt's commander yeah <laughs> yes it'd be, It'd be awesome. brilliant I'd be, i'm sure it would be some like awesome talented classically trained british actor <laughs> well that way we could get stephen fry to do that that's what they'll finally yeah, cast him yes. in <laughs> yeah. definitely Pat- patrick stewart has been waiting for his role oh that's true <laughs> you remember him so has Jim Captain Dale. picard That'd be so awesome to have Dale. all those guys in there, the little yeah. mattress. There they are. Oh, man. You'd make it so. Okay, there's there's another piece of news that Lupin, once again, David Thewlis, is going to, he confirmed that he will be back as Ramus Lupus for. Um, oh, thank God. Yeah. But, you, <laughs> you know, it was really <laughs> funny, so though, worried. because he, I don't think I've ever remember him talking about how when he said he met Joe, and he said that she was happy, she was he was playing the part, and then she said Lupin was her favorite character. Really? And I, I. I now I've been hearing that Joe's been saying that to every actor she meets. <laughs> you think? Joe's very insecure with these people. She needs yeah. to, no, especially when she met Tony Maudsley. Tony Maudsley, oh my God! She, I, I talked to Tony Maudsley the weekend after the premiere, and he was telling how his conversation with Joe was, was pretty much you know how I know how thrilled she was by his interpretation of Grub, and you know he he couldn't have been prouder. And I don't blame the guy. Uh huh. Also, okay. Speaking of Grop, we did have a really very good, and John, I know you like this too. I don't know if Melissa, if oh. you had a chance to see it, but we had another feature not. about the um, visual effects that are used um, oh. in making. And, and they talked about Grop and how they filmed it. And actually, we learned that um, Emma Watson was filmed like on a machine, right, John, or something? They, they lifted Yeah, it's, it's similar. It's actually, it has a lot of similarities to how they filmed the new King Kong movie and how they had the chick in the, in the little hand rig. That looks pretty much like a, like a bright green, um, full scale version of what Grops or King Kong's hand would have been like. So they can, the actors can react, you know, appropriately in proportion with what this creature's hand's gonna look like. So you know they have they have Emma in there doing that doing her thing, and then uh, you know of course they have the you know three Mister Three D CGI um, Grop doing his thing, and they composite it together, and they said that it was. A lot of painstaking uh, uh, compositing I just, involved in that. So they did a really good job. 
it just seems like that stuff is so meticulous and takes forever because you have to go through each frame of the film, right? When you or like for the yeah. colors on certain different effects, and I just, I, I don't know how they do it. It's just amazing. It's it's a lot of lot of talented people and a lot of time, and it's uh, it, I mean, it's I thank thank God they're putting that kind of attention into our Potter movies because well, you couldn't you couldn't make it without that movie magic. I don't think. I don't think so. I mean, they got some amazingly talented people. They got the guy who did Gollum working on it which mm-hmm. is just i mean from Gollum from the lord of the rings who is yeah. of course one of the most amazing i think still i mean these productions out there they're pretty much taking like an all-star harlem globetrotter-esque uh yeah. production crews on these things they're pulling harlem- people from everywhere <laughs> sorry they, they've got they've got like freaking you know nine how, how many studios did they say they were doing and just the uh effects alone in that article so i don't remember but it was quite a few yeah and then they said too that the 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 companies are yeah it was at least nine or ten but that are trying to vie for to work on um haplet prince sure which is i mean they're i mean here are these these amazing companies like motion moving picture company and you know industrial light magic which is of course george lucas's company and just this amazing companies and but they're trying to get on the film and i just think that's amazing you know totally i don't know can I ask you this? And this is kind of speculative. It's not really news, but people were asking about, well, what special effects are they going to have in Haplet Prince movie? Oh, uh, about the Inferi. Yeah, I would think that whole big scene is going to be fire. So awesome. The even just the boat, you know, getting across from the boat. Yeah, um, that whole scene's going to be hell intense. I wouldn't. I'd be surprised if they shoot a lot of that stuff first, just so they can get uh, get that stuff to the to those guys. You'll have some stuff in the in the in the memories. Oh, know? true. That's true. But you know, I was thinking because it's always about this time now that movie, the filming has started. That we always see the first pictures of Hagrid's hut. And no, we haven't seen them yet. <laughs> you know, oh, no. we, you know wait I, to find out what they did to Hagrid's hut. Yeah, I want him. I want him by the end of this thing. He's gonna have, <laughs> you know, an outdoor shower and jacuzzi, <laughs> and what else could he, he put in there? You know, but I was thinking about that because doesn't Buckbeak right? If they keep. If they keep that part in, doesn't Wither Wings. Well, that's right. Wither Wings. Sorry. Yeah. Wither Wings. Hello. Yeah. It's a huge effect. And I mean, it's not always as simple as copy and pasting from, you know, Prisoner of Azkaban hard drives over here for this because <laughs> they, they revisit all this stuff because, you know, after that many years, there's so many new ways to do all the things that they did with, with that stuff that they ended up, they probably end up redoing a lot of it. Speaking of order of Phoenix, we're still on them. We owe them a congratulations are in order to all the people at uh, Order of the Phoenix and to Mr. Dan Ratcliffe and Emma Watson, who were winners at the new National Movie Awards. Very oh, nice. yeah. Those were some right. cute pictures that came out yes, of that, too. Yeah. We have a lot Ivana of... Ivana Lynch! Yes! <laughs> she was there! Yeah. Five-inch heels. Uh, <laughs> you know? I swear to God, it's almost embarrassing how much uh, Ivana cheerleaders we are, but... I know she's she's the Potter fan actor in those she's movies, so awesome. I don't care. She we're big cheerleaders, but, but yeah, Emma she looked looks, great. Emma looked gorgeous as well. Really starting to look real adult, classy. Yeah. you know, superstar kind of look. Yeah, yeah, leave Emma alone. That's what, that's what I don't like about all this well, stuff. Leave, I, I just said she looked I'm great. Not, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everybody else in the comments who are <laughs> okay. all like, "Oh my god, what is that she's wearing?" If you want to talk about celebrities like that, you got your Perez and all that other nonsense. Mm-hmm. But don't bring it here. No one wants to read that crap. Well, I was thrilled to see. I I love that group shot of the trio, and then there was Matt Lewis who plays Neville Longbottom, and our 
um, lovely Ivana Lynch, who looked great. She had this beautiful blue gown on. And yeah. and Bronnie Wright was there, too. Jenny Weasley. I was like, yeah, that yeah. was awesome. I love seeing that. Right. You know? Can I say something controversial? Yeah. Oh, by all means. <laughs> and now, in the straightest possible way I can say this, I've got a lovely girlfriend. Hello, Brie. I'm sorry um, if... I have to say, is it is it just me is, um, that Matthew Lewis was looking pretty the hot? Be- the, the best looking guy of that bunch. He, Wait, where did this come from? He's like badass with a stubbly chin and a yeah, leather coat. What I happened? Know. I think it's so funny because you got Rupert and Dan, who you know aren't bad looking guys, but then you got Matt, and you know, and then you <laughs> see him in the movies, and they give him a fat suit and they give him a goofy haircut, and I wonder how much of that is because. They don't want, you know, Neville Longbottom to be the best looking guy of that whole, you know, six tet there. Well, but think, think of what will happen in the seventh movie when he strides forward and like, slices a, oh. a head off a snake. It's going to be. Oh, I know. And he just so looks awesome. like that hero. Oh, I wonder I wonder if they're worried about like the audience going like, Harry who? Ron who? Who's this Neville guy? I'm sorry. At the end of book seven, I sort of was like Harry who? Give me more Neville. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, you know. They got Matt, who's taller than them now. And- yeah, I know. Oh, it's funny. Good for him. Good for him. He's starting to look mature, you know? Yeah. Yep. It's oh. crazy. Stuff. It reminds me of the premieres when they were all walking with, like, or some of the guys were walking with dates and, like, who are these random girls walking with these guys? I know. <laughs> so funny. I know. <laughs> all of them had dates. Like, who was Jamie walking with? Jamie had a pretty Jamie girl with him, date. too, didn't mm-hmm. he? Yep. Yep. It's they like, all oh, had dates. It's like, oh, wow, you're, you're that age now. Oh, like growing wow. ups. <laughs> what Disney Channel, you know, TV film do these girls come from? But they, they pull them out of somewhere. High School Musical. You know who had a really beautiful date? Devin Murray. Uh, yes, yeah, his girlfriend's beautiful. Yes, she is. She well, kept giving. It, she kept giving me the eyes, though. I said, "I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I'm in a relationship." Uh-huh. Yeah, all gross and wet and sobby as we looked that day. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, some girls think that's a good look, especially on this guy over here. Okay. Well, before we no. turn into the Perez, let's let's move on. I hate Perez. Me too. Let's move on. Can can we can I mention one thing? This is one thing. I don't know if we want to talk about this now or but um Rock Chicago, baby. Just I know. Gonna, I cannot wait. W-R-O-C-K in Chicago. Terminus, which is the Harry Potter conference that we're going to, which I don't understand why we haven't made a big announcement. Oh, yet. Yes. I think we just forgot that oh, there's yeah. going to be a huge uh, live podcast there. Sue is the head of house there. I think I'm doing something else there. There's a whole bunch of things. That I'm the, I'm the head of something there. They just haven't informed me yet. Uh. John is, is the head of I'm going to be ahead of something awesome. Just something watch. awesome. But they are also, you know, not only are they doing all these huge, these huge things at um, Terminus, but they're having a whole day of Wizard Rock. Twenty-five so bands, three stages. Every band that you can think of, all the big guys, including the Switchblade Kittens. I know they were like the first wrote, ones, right? Yeah, the first, the first Harry Potter song, and long ago, and it's like the only one they ever did. Yeah. But, are they going to be playing all, you know, three bands at once? How are you going to be able to distinguish I, the songs? I think during the day, some bands will rotate, but then the headliners at night will just be one big show. I think. That's be so cool. It's, it's I want to like get up there with one of them. Hmm? I want to get up there and sing with one of them. But you got to come do the ba-ba-ba's. You've never done them. But, I don't know the words. Ba-ba-ba. Ba-ba-ba. I'm kidding, of course. It's so ba-ba-ba. hard. If I can do it, you can do it. You know what I'm just saying? I get, I get, I get stage fright, you guys. <gasps> oh, right. I love Alex. Right, that was Mr. so Ham. much fun. And we were standing right next to Paul from Harry and the Potters. I mean, I was like in Wizard Rock uh, oh Heaven. My God. That was like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I don't know. You, you guys can ask Bree how many different lyrics I have to the uh, to get out of the bathroom. You're not the boy. 
You Don't Belong Here, Morning Marlowe song. I love that. <laughs> I don't know where to spot that song. I sing it all the time. Oh, and then, never the same the, lyrics once. They're going to be there, you guys. Yeah. I love them. Every time we say something about Wizard Rock, some of you yeah, guys sort of like but, but, roll your but, eyes. But, oh, yeah, I hate Wizard yeah. Rock. Um, we have something that's going to change your mind, and I can't say it oh, yet. Oh, gosh. We'll say it soon. It's pretty um, much crossed me over completely. Has it really? I mean, I just love that stuff. Mm-hmm. So... So, you know, to hear Harry Potter versions of that stuff, I hope I didn't just give it away. Well, anyway, we have an announcement coming in the next few weeks. So keep your, keep yes. your, uh, keep, keep your eyes those peeled. Can, can I say something too? I, Melissa mentioned I was very nicely asked to be head of house, but you know who else is going to be head of house now? I'm excited who? to say this. Brian from Draco and the Malfoys. Ah! <laughs> oh, he's, is he the Slytherin guy? Yes! No way! I'm oh, so excited! Oh my gosh. I am dying. I love That's it. Love hel- it. He's perfect. He's like your foil. I know. Can it oh. get any better? It's perfect. I just about died. I'm it's, like, yes. He's like a split personality. Well, I did. I did. Be... I did have to turn them down. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm Sorry, sure John. Brian will do great in my steed. What is this in my steed? <laughs> Here we go again. Steed. <laughs> All right. Uh, I love Steve. All right. Well, that's going to be a great time. That is August. Next is August. Yes. <laughs> yes. Next August. August in Chicago. August 6th is to... Rock Chicago and Terminus2008.org. Yeah. Are we going to so have a great. field trip to the bean out there? I love the bean. Uh, and then and the lady who makes the kissy face with the water fountain. What? Oh, that was weird. She's freaky. There's this fountain in the Millennium Park out in Chicago, and it's really kind of scary. There's yeah. all these little these little screens making up this one big screen of people, and then they close their mouth, they close their eyes, and water shoots, real water shoots out their mouth. Yeah, it's real it's, weird. It's crazy. Are we at TP Oprah's house? And it's gonna be fun. You don't TP Oprah's house. You're not gonna make it out alive. <laughs> She's got no security. She's just Oprah. <laughs> oh my God! You're gonna get us arrested if that happens. No way, John. No, you get- forbid us. So he's okay. on his own. He can get himself arrested. <laughs> you and I are going to go be rocking. That's right. Woo-hoo! All right. Can't wait. Well, let's rock on out to the next segment, whatever the hell it is. <laughs> Great segue, John. Great. Can, can, can. I'm the king of segues. Can, can, can. Oh, I want to do that again. Okay. Oh. Awesome. In Memoriam was funny. I, I thought it was interesting that it went right into the mirror that Harry had gotten from S- Sirius because to me, I was really disappointed that he didn't use that mirror in the fifth book in order to communicate uh, with Sirius. And so I was like, I wonder if he's going to realize how stupid he was to not use that. Um, but instead, he just um, starts talking to it and says, you know, Dumbledore. And I think he sees the eye for the first time in that one. And I was really excited because I thought maybe it was Dumbledore, maybe it was um, his brother, and you know I never th- I never thought it could be anybody else. But I was like maybe Dumbledore's portrait. I didn't like this chapter. I didn't believe it was necessary for the reader to read two long biographical pieces on a character that had died in the previous book. There was a lot to take in in these pieces too much in my opinion and I think the plot would have been better served if Hermione had relayed the important pieces of the articles to Harry when she met him later. I mean after all this is what Hermione is meant to do. It's not meant for Harry or the reader for that matter to read through all these long biographical pieces looking for information. Having Alpheus Doge's obituary of Dumbledore share space in the same chapter as a sneak peek to Rita Skeeter's biography was a brilliant move on Joe's part. Despite the fact that Rita helped Harry in Book 5, any word she prints is instantly scrutinized, so we were apt to believe Doge's versions of things when in fact Skeeter gets it right. I like seeing Harry going through his trunk and trying to figure out 
which items are most important to him so he can pack those and keep those with him along the way. I like seeing him reread Dumbledore's obituary like he kept rereading the letter that Dumbledore sent him in the beginning of Half-Blood Prince because it shows how important Dumbledore is in Harry's life even after his death. That he's trying to figure out exactly what Dumbledore was trying to tell him. I think my favorite part of chapter two was the teacup that Harry stepped on, just because when you find out later what the teacup really kind of means. And also, just, I was intrigued with the little bit of backstory about uh, Dumbledore that we had no idea about, we as readers had no idea about before, before this chapter. Welcome back to Bit by Bit, where we go through Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows a bit at a time. And this week we're going through Chapter 2 in Memoriam, and we're going to also try and talk about the Dursleys departing. Hello, everyone. Well, we're with Melissa and John, and who else do we have here? Our new friend. Hello, hello. My name is Julie. Julie, tell us about yourself. Uh, well, my name is Julie. I live over in uh, Vancouver, Canada. I'm uh, I'm known as Harry's Julie on the forums. I thought it was you. Um, I was going to ask you. No, I insult you. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I heard you sing stuff. Yeah, that's you me. You sing that's these me. awesome filks, guys. Yes, oh, I thank you. Show. She does. The girlfriend's song. Julie has Julie has agreed to sing. You heard the girlfriend's song. Contribution. I, I love. I have the girlfriend's song on my iPod. Oh my gosh, she does. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> you did Frack. that one because we're yeah. Frack from last week yes. introduced us to that song, I think, because Frack was blasting that thing in his oh, house oh, over, wow. and over and over again. Hey, hey. Oh, so wow. Good. And we were commenting cool. on what kind of track you must have gotten to do it, because it sounds just like, a, like the recorded version. I think um, Maddie might have sent it to him, because Frack contacted me and said, uh, I heard your songs. Because um, Maddie also has, um, I think we're all dead now. My eighties. Yes, yeah. that's the other one about the Inferi. <laughs> so you guys, we have to play these at the end. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. good. Yay! Yay for Phelps. Yay! Oh God, they're fun. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, we have to ask you um, the three questions we asked Frack last week, and we'll ask everybody else: is uh, what who your favorite character is, your favorite chapter, and your favorite book. Okay, uh, my favorite character, without a doubt, is Snape. I definitely identify with him the most just because I, I can tend to be kind of crabby like he is and snarky, but underneath it all, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. Alright. Um, what was it, favorite moment in the book? Yeah. As Half-Blood Prince is actually my favorite book of the series, um, it's the point when Ron has been poisoned by the wine. And it's the first time that Harry, <laughs> I just love the poisoning. And it's the first time <laughs> Harry really kind of <laughs> reacts on his own and, you know, shoves the Beezer down his throat. And I thought that was one of the most um, grown up moments for him. And I, I loved that. That book itself was, is my favorite too. So cool. And I can't remember the third question. I think you actually hit all three of them because it was what your favorite book was. Oh, so look at me. I'm, friends, so look at I'm a multitasker. Very, very efficient, because we have a lot to cover today anyway. So. Well, let's get to it. But I just want to address quickly, you said that Julie's going to sing? Yeah, Julie said she's going to sing her entire contribution today, so <laughs> oh, it might boy. take a little longer. Okay. Julie, you don't have to. It's just a John and <sighs> just ignore. I, I think she understands me, if she's already at this point Welcome being a guest host. 
But anyway. I'm trying to not be John Noe myself today. I'm doing my best to hold back so it's not too overwhelming. <laughs> There's only <laughs> my room for so many of us. <laughs> but, um, so we are talking about more than anything else the first we've uh, heard from Dumbledore really since he died in well, Half Blood Prince. There, it's a it's a, it's a obituary written by Alphaeus Doge. Yes. Who we learn as a friend of Dumbledore's that he was going to go traveling with after school. Mm-hmm. Which apparently is, like, tradition. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. That, like, you know, if you were a wizard or a witch and you were in school and you graduate, which is, you know, I guess you're about high school graduating age, what would be more awesome to do than, you know, go travel when it's so easy for them to travel just operating and everything else? Instead of having to argue with your parents, I want to go and find myself. They'd just kick you out of the house. Yeah, well, it's not a big deal. Go and deal. do it. <laughs> you don't need do money you to travel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can operate. Seriously. Well, but let's talk for a quick second. At first, Harry tramples um, over a piece of a, a teacup that's sitting yes. outside his room. Very weird. From Dudley. A gift. <laughs> a, a, little gift a little peace offering for 16 years of torture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Some orange, nice orange pico for you. Hmm. Who was it that was telling us that, um, I guess, over in England or wherever else, like if you give somebody tea, it's like, like a sign of, you know, not like a sign of affection, but like a sign that you care about them or something? Um, who, was, who was telling me? Was it no Cheryl? One, who was it? No one said that. Darn it, I swear to God, all you English people, please go ahead and email and make sure mom not crazy, but I swear. is it the same thing as, like, offering somebody coffee or offering them Well, doesn't Ron coffee? say that when you offer someone tea, it's, you comfort them? It's what my mom does, and he blushes and runs off and gets Hermione tea or something? I guess so. Huh? There it is. See? Look at this. That's a good example of it. Cha- I think it's this Chamber of Secrets, yeah. This is why we have guest fans. <laughs> That's <helping>. right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We learned in this chapter that Harry has not unpacked his trunk for right. more than six yeah. years. Gross! Harry! What a, such a boy. Desiccated beetle eyes, he finds. I know, but like he's got like beetle eyes and all kinds of gross things in there. I mean, that was no. just kind of, you know, <laughs> do we need to know that? But it was kind of funny. Desiccated beetle <laughs> yeah. eyes. How do you desiccate a beetle eye? And the shattering of <laughs> Sirius's mirror still the bottom of that darn thing yeah see and i was kind of bummed when it because i was so certain that was one of my theories that with that handy dandy mirror she you know made a big point about that mirror and you know we do kind of hear a little bit more about it but i was so certain that harry's going to use that thing for so many things to hear from sirius and i know crushed literally at the beginning of the book i was like dang there we go way to go joe crush my hopes i love it how we had a, a glimmer of hope for a minute to think that we actually were going to use that mirror to I know. communicate because friggin Aberforth's in there. I know. Who looks conveniently like Dumbledore. I convinced myself that that blue eye was was um, Albus until we finally figured out that um, Aberforth has another, I guess, copy. I convinced myself, oh my god, we're actually going to talk to him. Yeah, woo, it's going to work. But I was wrong. Because it's weird. The blue eye, it didn't look like an animated eye. It was just a blue eye staring at him like for a second. So it's this very kind of flat image that makes you think maybe this is some sort of otherworldly so creepy. thing happening. But no, it's just Aberforth. And, and to me, the great joy, though, as we go along is that, you know, Harry had just all this things just random hodgepodge thrown into this trunk. And there is that locket that is so, I mean, here's Voldemort's 
soul just kind of tossed in there with the beetle eyes, you know? I just thought that was cool. <laughs> <I know. you> know? <laughs> there you go. Wait, Shows how much you're worth. Beetle eyes, stinky socks, Voldemort soul, you know? Wait, no, wait. What Horcrux was in there? Well, the locket that it wasn't. Oh, the fake one. Yeah, it just, okay. you know, I mean, at that point I didn't know, you know, and so I kind of right. just chuckled myself. I was like, oh, look, there it is, you know. Yeah, the fake one. It wasn't the real Voldemort soul. No, it was the one that had the R- the note from R.I.B. in it. Yeah. Right, yeah. but at that point, you know, we just weren't really sure. So when I'm reading it, I'm like kind of chuckling to myself. I'm sorry. I'm just oh. kind of like reliving that moment. Sorry. Just made <laughs> hey, did, we, did we know for sure if it was? Yeah, we did, because he opens it at the end of book six. It was still funny. Yeah, It was funny to me. I don't know. It's just one of them random thoughts you have when you're reading. <laughs> Who else's stomach plummeted when they saw that locket again? When I, because it just kind of brought me back to that moment when he discovers that it's not the right locket and the moment surrounding it with Dumbledore in the tower. Oh, yeah, my stomach yeah. just fell to my feet again. That was so frustrating getting to that point in Half Blood Prince after all that huge ordeal, that whole big adventure for yeah. a fake. It was locket. for nothing. Yeah. Oh, it's tough. You know, we we're talking about that R.A.B. thing, and you're thinking about Dumbledore, and then we go into that obituary, which was so, I think, very well written. It was very lovely, and it was kind of, I loved how he ended it. I mean, maybe we're, I'm skipping it far too ahead, but how he extended his um, hand to a small boy with dragon pox. Mm. That made me really sad. I don't know why. I just, I just had this image of, you know, I, it just never occurred to me what Dumbledore would be like when he was at school and how he would befriend those that weren't quite popular or, you know, the cool kids. and um, yeah. It, it made me really wish that Joe would change her mind and like write some Dumbledore point of view storybooks from like mm-hmm. early early Dumbledore days. Sort of be anticlimactic, you know. Yeah. The big story is really. Told. Any anything we can do to hold on to him? Yeah, I'll read anything that they, yeah. <laughs> they want us to, you know. <laughs> but this article is interesting. It's it's what happens when people with strong standing in the community know. Like Sue knows from broadcast experience. I know from print journalism experience. This is what you do. You get his friends. Mm-hmm. And his and and people people line up to write things about them, and you do the big celebration thing. People who knew him, you sort of have these great elegies written. Mm-hmm. And as great as it is, and a nice testament it is to Dumbledore, it's probably just as far on one side of the bell curve as Rita Skeeter's. Yes, is. you know this is like the rosy view that you never speak bad of the dead, and, and then you exaggerate all the good stuff because that's what we do. Yeah. yeah. And we get over to Rita Skeeter. You know, I was so pissed at that point. Oh man, I just couldn't believe it. I could not believe what she was doing. I have to, I have to interrupt so everybody knows <laughs> yeah. what, what John did to me on the night of reading this book. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay. See what he just said that he was mad. He comes up to me and says, "What are you up to?" I said, "I just finished chapter one. I've just told him I've just finished chapter one." He goes, "Oh yeah, that woman. I hate that woman. I can't believe she's doing that." I'm looking. I'm like, John. I just finished <laughs> chapter one. Oh, I sorry. The, and he uh, runs away. Muggle studies. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I hate her. She died. Luckily, we, we spent the rest of the time in separate rooms. The three of us were all <laughs> yeah. in different rooms, and it was oh, better right. that way. <laughs> because we met up again three minutes later, and he did it to me again. <laughs> if, I had, if I had read the book in the same room as him, he would have had a book-shaped imprint on his forehead. Oh, <laughs> He starts getting desperate and throwing notes under the door. Oh my god, did you get to page 27 yet? Ah! You know what that <laughs> reminds me, you guys, is that we have a video of us oh, yeah. giving a little testimony as we oh, read the book. We yeah, had this room set up in this house, and at any given time, any of us could run in there, hit record, and like react. And that's probably... a a tape and a half worth of uh, of talking. It's terrible. Wow. We should figure out uh, 
how to uh, bribe the audience into forcing our hand to putting that online. I never want to see it again. What can they bring us? How many cookies? How many burritos? I've never seen it. I don't think I want to because I I remember some of the things I said. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not good to see. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of freaking out. When when Ron left, I walked in and then I closed the door and I went, Ron just left. Not cool. And I left. Yeah. (laughs) It was bad. (laughs) Oh, Ronald. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, back in the moment. Well, this this thing about Skeeter, though, I mean, it was such a dichotomy. It, I just had to laugh because this is exactly how these hokey things are phrased, like the Kitty Kellys. I don't want to besmirch her. No. But, you know, she's, but she's just this, you know, you think she's so sweet and she writes these terrible, you know, uh, tabloid-esque expose, expose kind of things. And, and then here's this Rita Skeeter who is... Much warmer and softer than her famously ferocious quill portrait. I mean, that just made me. I was like, "Oh, are you kidding?" You know. Yeah. It's so. <laughs> I gotta say because I've written stories like this, obviously yes. not with the ice that Rita Skeeter does, but Ouch. I've seen. You know, you know, you don't mean to do it like this, but it's such a fantastic parody. Yes. Of those profiles, because they're all like that. You meet. I mean, I've never done this, thank God. Mm-hmm. But you read these stories where. You meet your subject and she's sitting down looking wonderful with coffee and she's so warm, isn't she? She's offered you yeah. coffee and, and, and her house is lovely and it's all roses in oh, these I know. pieces. It's just- and when they, they describe the room like that has something to do with what you're talking about right now. Yeah, There's a lovely pattern of, of flowers on her couch, which match lovely with the hue of the wall. Okay. Mm. It's so rampant. I, I look, I, when I read this the week after, I went back and I looked through like my stories and stuff yeah. to make sure that I never wrote anything as bad as that. Thank God, at least. Well, I'm sure Joe got a <laughs> kick out of it because I'm oh, sure she's absolutely. been subject to interviews where they don't always uh, yeah. Just write the way she would prefer. <laughs> I've read some of those before. But, you know, and then just the way, though, that they quote Rita in this, you know, darling Dodgy, you know, and just, just she's so, just so, you know, that fake, you know, fake, sincere, laugh it off, play it off. But she's so venomous in her things. And you're just like, oh, my God, this is perfectly written. And she, it is a perfect parody. You're exactly right. She's very Umbridge-esque, really, when you think about her oh, Rita, yeah. her personalities. This is what I believe. And uh-huh. I'm going to show you. Trust me. When you buy my book on September 22nd, when it comes out for 24 sickles. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah, it's just interesting how she admits to bribing people for stories, which is a, 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 such a big fat no-no, but, you know, <laughs> um, it's such a huge... Is that illegal? I don't know about illegal, but it's certainly frowned upon. <laughs> You know, you don't pay fee people for their... But, you know, I mean, what, Julie, what did you think when you were reading, like, uh, how she described, like, all these characters, like, she's describing the opposite of Dumbledore. I mean, how did you feel when you were reading, when you were reading that kind of thing? Well, Rita infuriates me greatly yeah. because she reminds me of all those yeah. gossip mongers where um, no matter what the situation is, she's going to turn it into the most interesting turn that sh- she can make it. Oh, well, you didn't hear the situation of how he got into a fight with his good friend, did you? And just no matter what it is, even though it's over uh, defending his sister, it's going to make him look bad because, oh, no, he was so angry and he is so he can't control himself. He fought with his best friend. No matter what, she will turn it into the best story that she can come up with. And she's just so infuriating. Uh, and that's the first, that's the first thing I thought was she's just, no matter what he does, no matter who, how good it is that he was, what he was doing, she's going to twist it into something ugly. And I always, you kind of have to read between the lines with anything that Rita does, obviously. So, yeah. 
And I hate all that gossip magazines, all those gossip Ugh. websites and all those. Ugh, I can't stand that crap. Ugh, God. Yep. Musa and Sue just admitted recently to reading some of that garbage, didn't yeah. you guys? It's yes. terrible. It's like, true. You don't believe it. Like, that's, no. There's a difference between somebody who goes, oh my gosh, Star A really is sleeping with Star B, and somebody who like looks through the magazines and goes, this is just funny. You know? Yeah. Yep. But the nah. ones I won't pick up, the ones I won't pick up, like I'll look, look, look like people and Insta and that kind of thing, but the ones I won't pick up are like the ones that photograph the star's butts on the beach like that's ridiculous yeah. oh i know <laughs> that's <laughs> terrible guess who this is from yeah, behind exactly look at the cellulite <laughs> ah, I know. oh my god that's me oh it's the guy in the supermarket you know like ugh. <laughs> you know yeah. and, and that's what struck me is that, uh, that joe was making this very subtle point and the, by the betty bath where just the name of the the reporter or whatever it just struck me as such yeah. a you know one of those kind of things and i just yeah. thought joe was just taking it all right out right there just venting it all right through there I love See, it. I was Tell I it. was just surprised to read so much from Rita. I didn't think Rita was one of those characters like Umbridge that after the book that she was originally introduced in, I didn't expect to hear as much from her again. Like for Umbridge to come back and the way that she did in Deathly Hollows surprised me. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I figured, you know, once Hermione got her little revenge on Rita, Having so much more Rita is like, what did what did Rita learn? Did Rita didn't learn anything? But you know, it was a good way, though, don't you think, though, to to kind of introduce like and it was Rind- perfect. I was Rindelwald. just surprised. Oh yeah, I guess so. Rita learned how to be a better Rita. <laughs> yeah. Technically, when Rita wasn't making assumptions and twisting things, mm-hmm. most of what she wrote was kind of true. It's a it's a lesson of context. Everything you read gets yeah. put into a context. Mm-hmm. And if somebody like mm-hmm. Rita puts it into the context they want, it makes the truth sound so terrible. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I will make this story work to however I want right. to, even by telling exactly what happened. I'm going to do the tapping the side of my nose and winking at you going, mm, see, fights with his best friend. Yeah, there were a couple of little things mm-hmm. that were assumptions and, and twists, but the mm-hmm. general gist we learn is pretty much what happened, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's cool because to to get introduced to a lot of those stories and a lot of those ideas, like Dumbledore not being like this pristine, angelic-like character, hearing it from Rita makes you feel like, oh, that's total crap. And there's no yeah. way any of that's true. And then to actually read it happening yeah. makes it that much more like of a struggle in your mind. Like, oh my gosh, is this real? I mean, that final arc for Dumbledore's uh, character development. And then you hate Rita even more because she was kind of right. Yeah, totally. <sighs> I like how she avoided a slash between Potter and Dumbledore when talking about po- the Potter-Dumbledore relationship. Unhealthy. Dash. Even sinister. Potter-Dumbledore. <laughs> <Slash. laughs> bad if she put the slash. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting, too, because I thought it was, because I was waiting to see, to hear about Snape. I mean, we, in the previous chapter, we had seen Snape in all his glory at Malfoy Manor at the foot of Lord Voldemort, all this. And then we find out, you know, that someone had actually said that, you know, hey, maybe he had committed murder here. And so there, I was waiting to see how Joe was going to introduce that. And that was kind of interesting, though. It came from, although she, she phrases it, I gave test of evidence against Severus Snape, a man against whom he has a notorious grudge. I mean, come on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Again, twisted to sound bad, but kind of true. Yeah. yeah. Sadly. I think that this is probably... All we have time to yeah, do is this that, Is that as far yeah. as the chapter gets us to? Yeah. I'm so stupid. I thought that the Dursleys were in this chapter, too. <laughs> I got a little worried when you wrote me back and you said the Dursleys bit in chapter two, and I'm flipping through it going, uh. that's not the right <laughs> chapter. And I'm going to, oh, my God, what am I doing? And I'll note that <laughs> I'm going to make a fool of myself. 
<laughs> and then I just read ahead and I said, okay, well, I'll do my best. That's what he was talking mm. about. I'm a moron. <laughs> but uh, yeah, since we didn't manage to get together two weeks in a row uh, for kind of conundrums because we stink at scheduling, <laughs> um, this one will run a t- teeny bit longer. But uh, anyway, this is about as much as we can do until uh, next week's Bit by Bit where we will talk about um, how we left things with the Dursleys. Just that bit there. That's a lot to wrap up. Lots of uh, loose Dursley ends that were tied in that chapter. And then the week after, we'll get uh, the Seven Harrys and the Escape and the So Long Hedwig and Moody. Sadness. Oh. All right. Well, thank you, Julie. That was awesome. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks, Julie. You're going to join thank us in a little Julie. bit here for the Phoenix Files. I would hope so, yes. Please. <laughs> Out of order, am I? You believe all the rubbish he's come out with about you-know-who, do you? You reckon he's telling the truth? Then you're mad too. Welcome to the Phoenix Files, the Phoenix Files, for the week of October 4th. I don't even know what the day is today. I don't know. (laughs) Or episode 120. I like that musical intro. That's nice. Yay. You're setting a heavy precedent here, so all of our featured guests will have to uh, open the show the same Bandersnatch will come on with like a full band and <laughs> choreography. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Gonna have to be. <laughs> so what the heck is going on with Phoenix Files this week? What is our topic, Sue? Let us know. Oh, when we finally, lo and behold, Ronald Weasley is actually the Ronald Weasley of canon. And what? Hey. hey. What do hey. you know? Who to thunk it? How'd that happen? Let us not be interpreted as an insult to Sir Rupert Grint. No, no, no. Who does a lovely job. He does. It's just that uh, his character <laughs> seems to have finally been written appropriately. Can I share an embarrassing story? Always. What's that? At the, at, the, at the premiere in L.A., they invited all the fan sites to the party. And I went over to Rupert Grint, and I was talking to him for a minute, and I said, um, oh, I just want to say, it's so awesome. It's finally like the real Ron in the movie. And I realized what I was saying to Rupert Grint, who plays him. And it was like I was yeah. insulting him. Insulting him, it's like burn. Put my foot in my mouth, and I was like, "Oh, but I mean, like, because the writing, I, I, I and then I just yeah. walked away. I just couldn't." You're, you're, and then, and then I think you ran away. Didn't you? Like you dropped your drink I, and like I was ran just like, I, 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 John, what? Oh, yeah, John, I'll be right there. And I, and I walked away. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, don't worry. I, I felt bad for you embarrassing yourself, so I proceeded to embarrass myself in your steed. By whacking him with my poster at every opportunity. Now that's a good friend that right from, there. From Flip the Phoenix. That's a good friend right there. Yes. What most? In my steed? <laughs> in your trusty Do steed. Do I have a horse that I carry around with me? <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't you call steed a horse. In my stead. In my stead. No, in, in your, your steed. steed. No, in my stead. Steed it's in my stead. No, our editor's name steed. steed. It's How are you? How is this the first you've heard of this podcast joke? I've never. You've never. <laughs> trusty God. steed is one thing. Okay, well, anyway. Anyway. Rupert doesn't enjoy being whacked by... No, I would imagine not. Okay, Rupert in movie five. Yes. Well, let's talk about first about Seamus in movie five. Yes. Seamus? Seamus? My my grand's been saying bad things about you, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you have a go with my... My mom. That is a, a horrible Irish accent. I mean, no, it's perfect. It's horrible. It sounds worse than He's... my Scottish pirate. <laughs> 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 Arr. Arr. 
Jumped. Your lucky charms. <laughs> Not again. Is he Irish or is he Scottish? A shame is Irish. 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 Pure yeah. Irish. Is there a difference in how they talk? Yes. Yeah, oh my God. I'm just teasing. <laughs> oh. People of Scotland will rise up against you. And so when people I would love an inbox full of, of voicemails <laughs> from both countries. My mom didn't want me to return because of you. That was terrible, oh, too. That's, that's Irish. I just love that's the way Scottish. he was standing when he's calm because he's being all confrontational. He's got his hands out like in the old westerns. You can see his fingers twitching. <laughs> no. Like I'm gonna go for my wand, boy. Who's gonna be faster, eh? Hey, but don't you have a go so at my man? Short <laughs> that it's kind of funny. It's just funny that they're sitting there waiting for like it's like they knew it was gonna happen. The confrontation was building, yeah. and like Dean is all it's like, yeah. Summer wasn't that bad. Not as bad as Seamus is. And then everyone stops and, like, and stares. Oh, you went and there. watches the scene as it as it happens. It's one of those classic yeah. moments oh. where everybody at that moment has nothing better to do than to just watch who Harry's talking fight. to. He fight. is so fight. tiny, fight. though, that you're fight. sort of laughing, sitting there going, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Really, honestly, yeah. you're so little. But then I guess they both have wands, so. You know. Who's little? Devin, he's so short. Well, Harry isn't the tallest creature in the room, either. Uh, they were spaced pretty far apart, probably, for a reason. <laughs> I think it's funny how he's best friends with, with Dean, who's, like, huge. Six, seven yeah, foot the deep. tallest person ever. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really like that that whole scene because it seemed to me, I, I, maybe I remember it is wrong, but there was actually like music, like rock music playing on the radio or something. Maybe it was in a different scene later in the movie, but it just seemed more like a regular common no, room. it was. And it just seemed more like what you would expect in like high school, to, you know, the upper year kids to common room to be like. And it mm-hmm. just seemed like, okay, that they put some thought into to staging that scene and then there all of a sudden they're just the way that Rupert turned as Ron and and just yeah. like, hey. Like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Oh, it was so brilliant. Yeah. I loved it. It was so calm. There was no goofiness. There was no spastic Ron. It was just, I... does anyone else have a problem? Good. Yeah. We're going to go upstairs now. It was awesome. And, the, and yeah, it was bre- beautifully done. And then, he, then he gets chewed out <laughs> by Harry for being a good friend. Jerk face, um, Harry. We, Not cool. I just felt like there he was. There was Canon Ron, the one who is loyal, you know, the one who's not some goofy, you know, just psychic laughed at all time. It was just, that was a true moment of friendship. And I just was like, yes. Yeah, the first big big show of character we've seen from him in, in the movie is him standing up for Harry, which is just like, God, finally, you know? The scene is one of the only times in the in the film that uh, we see the, a lot the doubt that the students have of Harry over, over the summer and everything else, and they had you know you see a little more of it when they're signing up for the DA, but it wasn't anywhere near as huge a presence as you know it was written in, in the book and all the papers that were coming out. Now everybody was following how discredited Harry and, and Dumbledore were, and so this was the big opportunity to do it, and. Um, I'm not dissatisfied. I think they did a pretty good job setting up that uh, the students weren't really trusting Harry at that point. Yeah, because they just went. They just went and spent the summer with their parents, who are most of them are entrenched in the Wizarding World. And you, you know what happens with parents? They sit around, they get on the phone, you hear conversations, you hear everything gets twisted. You're reading all these articles, so it's a whole period in which nobody can ask Harry the real truth because yeah. Harry's not around to defend himself. So it's been all sort of boiling, and you finally get to this point in the common room. No, it's, he, he wasn't. No one. He wasn't writing to anybody all summer, even including Ron and Hermione. So there's no way he would have had a chance to talk about it since school let out. Um, what I was, uh, what I was thinking when I I uh, rewatched that scene, when 
Seamus stands up and he says, the, my mom didn't want me to come back this year because of you. Um, you could really feel it wasn't even so much, I don't believe you. It's you almost caused me to have to lose coming back to my school. It's your fault. All of this is your fault because whether or not he actually believes him or not, they never actually say. It's more, my mom was, wasn't going to let me come back because of you. Look at the trouble you're causing. Why do you always have to do this? And you could kind of feel that frustration. Every, everyone's frustration is going through Seamus of this is all happening because of you. Why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you saying these things? Why are you causing us to not be able to come back to school and all that stuff? So I, I could really feel that tension. All that pressure was being put on Harry of it's your fault. This is your fault that the Dark Lord's back. And I just said the Dark Lord. Excuse me. Voldemort. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, they, I'm a Slytherin. That was, okay. Apologies. It's, that, that totally stings because if there's one thing we know, we know from Harry how important this school is. To, to these mm-hmm. kids. You don't mess with the potentially taking that away from them. And uh, you know, we we know that Seamus is um, was it uh, Dad's a Muggle, Mom's a witch. Mm-hmm. Bit of a nasty surprise when he found mm-hmm. out. So. It's, there's already some uncertainty with uh, going to a, a, a school for wizards here. So it's, he's a good representative of that doubt. How, how did you feel? Like, uh, what were your thoughts of, of the movie so far when you started watching this? I mean, I guess we have talked about how we felt up to this point in the movie. How did you feel when you were seeing these scenes? Were you, were you happier than like previous movies? I, with every single one of these movies, it gets better and better. Absolutely. I, of course, did feel like it was being rushed because Order is just such a massive book. You have to do your best. But I thought that for a condensed version for a movie, they really, really did an excellent job. Even with just little quirks, little things that Harry had to do, you could see how his frustration was building and and uh, that, you know, all caps Harry was coming out. I, I think they did a really good job of showing, even with just the one confrontation with Seamus, of how half of the kids must be feeling. And I mean, we can get into Umbridge for hours, which I'm sure you already have several times. Just <laughs> the characters were developed in such a wonderful way. Back to Ron, again, finally, Canon Ron. It was, it was so beautiful, just one sentence, and it showed everything. Does anyone else have a problem with Harry? That's all he had to say. Isn't it amazing what good script writing can do? Oh, just saying. And a good director. Amazing. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was neat, that scene, just to see. You know, it was the first moment we've seen the kids um, in the common room at that point in the mm-hmm. film. And they're just hanging out, and the music is going. And there was a cool cool uh, addition to that. They had the music going, and then later in the film, have them, one of the decrees being no loud music. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like they're they're getting older. They're, they're you know they're getting more comfortable with each other. Did the music stop when the confrontation began? Was it one of those someone? Oh, oh here they go! They're gonna fight, and they turn off the music. Did anyone I notice? It. It, was <laughs> it was just sort of low. Records coming up. It was just like, sort of <laughs> sort of low, and they just sort of just okay a little bit further from it. You know, <laughs> just you know the Williams just kind of turns down the editing of the music. Ooh. <laughs> Who was it this time? Nicholas Nicholas, Hooper. yeah. He did a good, though. He did <laughs> well, what? so then they get I mean, up into I mean, Harry's I mean, dormitory, and instead of Harry turning around and saying, thank you, Ron, for standing up to me for me in front of those people, you're a good friend. Harry just blows up at him. Fine. Yeah, you, you, no one 
Hey, does not like people fighting his battles for him. He can't stand that. You know something I have to say, and I'm going to admit this on Pottercast, on the air, that it took until I saw the movie again just recently for me to actually put two and two together that it wasn't just angsty Harry that was causing all the all caps issue. He was being invaded by Voldemort. So that constant underling of anger was coming from him as well. And I, I only just put that together that um, that yeah. undercurrent of anger wasn't just him being 15. That was also the constant rage that was being planted in his head. And he didn't know how to deal with it because Harry is not an angry kid. And I just yeah. figured that out. <laughs> well, I think that like I mean, Joe also used it to underline her point. Yes. Like, he's got a lot of anger that he needs to get out. Yes. There. And so yeah. she had this book of being invaded by Voldemort. Now Voldemort's gone and he can be a little less angry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I and mean, you, you can see both both ends of that. And I think definitely if, if people are wondering which book to go and reread after they read Deathly, after they read Deathly Hollows is definitely. Phoenix. Because the people who figured that Harry was a horcrux. Um, you know, now they can go back and see, well, what did this, did having this little tiny bit of Voldemort's soul inside of him, you know, did, was that having an effect on him? And some of the things that Dumbledore was saying, you know, it's like, you know, whether or not he acts upon those feelings that he has inside of him or, or doesn't. And, um, yeah, and, and you're totally right. It's not just hormonal Harry being pissed at the world. There's it could very, very, um, very well be influence from Voldemort. That little that little yeah. devil but on his shoulder time, actually had a part of his soul to hold on to and was just kind of working its way yep. through Harry and it just you know we've all had that time where you just you don't know why you're so angry and he actually had something that was in a small way taking control over him because of the possession so totally. Can can I say what my one thing I actually like and and I I'm just going to be open about this. I am a Rupert Grunt fan, and I think that he often gets criticized a lot for his expressions of like, Ugh. but I thought in that scene, <laughs> you can look in his eyes and you can see the hurt, and it's in his eyes, yeah. and it's not just yeah. an expression, and I gave him a lot totally. of credit for that. And not in a, and like was, a pansy way, in like, a, right. in like a, a, a teenage boy, you know, yeah. believable. Yeah. Right. It's like they're, they're, they're best friends, you know, they've known each other for, for five years. Yeah. You know, I mean, they had their fight back in Goblet and everything else. And but that was Ron kind of antagonizing him. This is the first time Harry's ever lashed yeah. out at him, isn't it? Yeah. No, well, I mean, Harry, is... Harry threw a badge at his head, so... Right, of course. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it might be the same, but still, it's still, it's it's a whole different situation. I forgot about yeah, that, yeah. Goblet fire. <laughs> Boing! Well, it's, you know, it's Ron, <laughs> and it probably, probably, you know, if you put yourself in Ron's shoes, it probably wasn't an easy thing to stand up to your whole common room and defend mm-hmm. your friend. And you're probably feeling pretty good about that at, at that point. And you go up there and you expect, you know, a little bit of, you know, thanks, Ron, that was really cool. And, and you get, a, get the hell out of here, Ron. Mm-hmm. You're jackass. So totally, I'd be totally hurt if I was Ron. I think that that is all we have time for here on the Phoenix Files. All we have time for are the Phoenix Files. Yeah. But Julie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes. Awesome and job. To play awesome one of your job, songs. Julie. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks, guys. I look forward to hearing the show. Next week on Phoenix Files, we will have a continuation of the Order of the Phoenix with um, the first classroom scene with Umbridge and Harry getting all tipped off at her for saying he was a liar.
and welcome to another Scrubby Five. I'm Nina or Severine Snape and I'm here with my familiar co-host Erin. Hi everyone. And we have a new face or I should say a new voice as well. Uh, we've recently hired two new editors as Scribulus and one of them is here with us today and her name is Linda. You can find her on the Leaky Lounge forum as Mosaic. Hi Linda. Hey guys. Hi, Linda. We're really pleased to have you on board. Thanks. I'm so excited to be part of Scribblis and help out with Scribby 5. It's going to be great. Well, it's really great to have you with us. And we have another new editor. Her name is Beth. And you can find her on the Leaky Lounge as Looney Love. I love that lounge ID. Me too, yeah. And we've had some other staff changes too. Yeah, unfortunately, we have one of our more senior editors, Sloan or Witherwings. Uh, you might remember her from the first few Scribby Fives that we did. Uh, she had to leave Scribby because of her real life uh, was getting in the way. Sloan had been with us from issue four, and she really was one of the hardest working editors we've ever had. And, and she also wrote so many essays for us. And it's really hard to imagine Scribulous without her. So uh, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much, Sloan, for everything you did and we'll really miss you dearly yes we'll miss you Sloan. uh keep in touch and keep sending us essays <laughs> yes keep sending your essays so um back to the order of the day erin what are we talking about today ah well hopefully by the time you hear this scribulous issue 19 will be available and in this issue we have a wonderful essay entitled choice or chance the ambiguous ending of the deathly hallows by avogadro um, I'll let our new girl, Linda, do the honors of telling us what this essay is about. Thanks, Erin. All right, guys, as we all know, J.K. Rowling has always put a lot of emphasis on the choice, um, the importance of choice and free will. I'm sure everyone is familiar with Dumbledore's beautiful comment to Harry in Chamber of Secrets that it is our choices rather than our abilities that show who we really are. He also urges Harry in Goblet of Fire to choose to do what is right over what is easy, just one of the many other examples of the emphasis placed on choice in the series. So for six books, we are led to believe that making the right choice in life will get you where you need to go. And then with the release of Deathly Hallows, Rowling goes and throws this all away when she explains in an interview that what she really wanted Harry's defeat of Voldemort, and therefore the fate of the entire wizarding world to be determined by Harry's chance acquisition of the true ownership of the Elder Wand in a physical fight, not even a magical one, with Draco. So in his essay, Avogadro is asking if Harry's defeat of Voldemort was due to dumb chance or to the choices Harry and Voldemort had made on their way to the final confrontation. Wow, that's one complex topic. Yeah, it really is. I can imagine there would be evidence for both choice and chance to have played a role in the conclusion of Deathly Hallows. Exactly. And that's the point Avogadro is making in his essay. He gives us three different scenarios for what really happened at the end of Deathly Hallows. One where the whole resolution is determined by chance, one where it's all about choice, and one where choice and chance work together. Well, we won't have time to go through all three of those scenarios, but let's examine the one where he explains how it could all have been due to choices made along the way. Um, first of all, there is uh, Voldemort's choice to use Harry's blood to come back to life at the end of Goblet of Fire. And because of this, Harry is tethered to life and cannot be killed as long as Voldemort is alive. So that means that it didn't matter that Voldemort did not own the Elder Wand, because even if he had gained true ownership of the Elder Wand, he could not have killed Harry with it. But Avogadro rightfully says that we can't know this for sure. I mean, it could be that the power of the Elder Wand in the hands of its true owner is stronger than the protection in Harry's blood. 
Yeah, that's true. We don't really know this, but um, let's look at some of the other choices that were made as well. Like a big one is um, Harry's choice to voluntarily sacrifice himself and let Voldemort kill him. And why was that necessary, you think? Uh, Harry had to sacrifice himself because that would break Voldemort's powers and protect all his opponents from him. Like Harry was protected from Voldemort by Lily's voluntary sacrifice for him. So this again means that it would not have mattered that Voldemort did or did not have ownership of the Elder One. Harry's sacrifice would have broken his power anyway. Right, so when you look at it like this, Harry was doubly protected from Voldemort. Once by his blood in Voldemort's veins and once by his own sacrifice. In this scenario, the Elder Wand doesn't even come into play. Yeah, but I don't understand why Voldemort's killing curse rebounded on him uh, at the end, uh, at the final confrontation, if it wasn't for Harry being the true owner of the Elder Wand. Well, if we stick with a scenario where everything is determined by choice rather than chance, we can also explain this through Harry's self-sacrifice. After all, we have seen a killing curse rebound once before, and that was after Lily's sacrifice. So it is possible that Harry's sacrifice was the reason the killing curse rebounded at the end of Deathly Hallows. Yeah, that is possible. Of course, it isn't quite as straightforward as all of that. I mean, come on, this is J.K. Rowling we're talking about. It's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. There's so much more to say on this topic. And Avogadro did an amazing job in systematically analyzing all the events that occur at the end of Deathly Hallows to see which was the real deal clincher in the end, choice or chance. Well, this topic is big enough to fill a whole canon conclusion segment with, I think, but unfortunately our five minutes are up. Uh, so to find out more, you'll have to read the whole essay, and I'm sure it will provoke a lot of great discussion. And if you want to comment on anything Avogadro has written or on any of our other essays, go to Scribulous Forum on the Leaky Lounge, which you can find in Cauldron's Corner, which is in Diagon Alley. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Yep, bye. And we're so, back. Yes, we're back. Woohoo! We are back. Kung Fu Snape. Oh, tell them about that. Tell them about that. Because I love Kung Oh, well, I'm sure they've all already seen it here on the podcast blog. Mm-hmm. But um, the lovely Brie, and I don't just say lovely because she's my girlfriend. Yeah. Yes, she's you lovely do. to everybody. <laughs> I love um, her. She edited another uh, podcast tour blog, or vlog with a V. Mm-hmm. And it's us in Tucson, where we play with Kung Fu Snape. <laughs> and we say hello to Lisa QQQ from the Quick Quotes Accio Quote. And we do a little bit of podcasting yes. in uh, Tucson, and a general good time. It was Tucson awesome. was a hilarious city. They found everything funny. They were they were awesome. Yes. That was a great show. I really enjoyed it. Well, I released laughing gas previously into the room, so thanks. They sometimes have to resort to that during the live shows. But I love yeah. Mr. Snape. That was like my favorite thing, and I annoyed you guys the rest of the summer with that. But I love Kung Fu Snake. Yeah. Snape, snake, snake. He's a snake now? I don't know. Well, he was <laughs> I want, destroyed I want that by toy. a snake. That snake sat on the dashboard the whole time. I just can't believe Snape, after all of this litterness, was killed by a snake. I know. So it's such a cruel irony, don't you think? Totally. I like it. Um, I like it. Speaking, speaking of all kinds of action figures and all kinds of things, I want to make a quick plug for our cauldron shop. I, it, you, there's all kinds of cool things. Halloween is coming up, and I'm going to urge you all to go in there and check out our freaky, freaky mask, John. I don't know if you remember a long time ago on the news we talked about the oh, uh, <laughs> the masks that were coming out and that <gasps> Dumbledore oh, mask. I never did Need buy it. Mask. Is it still available? It is. It's just now available in our shop. I'm gonna and- wear it. I'm gonna wear it to the Joe thing in LA when I go out <laughs> to the crowd. 
tickets. Because I heard, I heard that they're going to be giving out a ticket that day to the person with the craziest dollish costume. So everybody needs to dress as dollish, and you might get lucky enough to be pulled into the event. Oh. That may or may not be true. I don't know 100%. But dude. But is it worth the risk to not dress like dollish? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. You have fun. When is that, John? When is the LA event? The LA event is the first of the three, mm-hmm. or the four now, and it is on the Monday, I think, October 14th. Let me just yeah. pull up my Google calendar here. 15th is a Monday. The 15th? Okay. It would be the 15th, and then on the Thursday is the 18th, and that's Joe visiting New Orleans. Yeah, Nor- and it's New Orleans. Yes, I, I remember. <laughs> and then Friday, <laughs> the 19th, is... Uh, New York City. Yoo-hoo. And then 20th, is it Canada now? It's the 23rd, I think, that she's up in, in Toronto, I believe. Oh, I think she has okay. a couple days off in between to kind of rest, probably. Right on, Joe. Um, where, w- where will Joe be vacationing? Tune in to the next Pottercast. In space. Oh, we have no idea. No. <laughs> yes, Joe, Joe's going to be the first author to go to the moon. Oh, man. Like, what's that dude, that one rich guy that flew to the moon on those shuttle things? Lance Bass? No, didn't he do one of those shuttle missions where you can, like, pay a zillion dollars and fly? Yeah, Lance Bass. I don't think that Joe's No, gonna... Lance Bass wasn't allowed to go. Why not? He's Lance Bass. He can do whatever he wants. Okay. <laughs> okay. Richard my, Branson? My brother-in-law has a Lance Bass bobblehead doll. I don't know why. Why Why do people need those bobblehead dolls? That's just one thing I just have... I don't see the appeal. I don't know. I was looking through when I was updating the shop. I actually saw one that was Edgar Allan Poe. And Freud. Now, why would you want? Why would you want that? Uh, there's well, there are companies who will make your own bobblehead dolls that look like you. They pretty much sculpt them, but I think you need to order like a hundred or something at, at, the, at the minimum. So I've never <laughs> thought about a it. A dollish bobble? Bobble. Yeah, that would be cool. If I had dollish bobbleheads made up, guys, looking like me, and I just wanted the one, would would 99 of you buy the rest of them? So I don't have to have a 99 dollish bobblehead. Bobble me, dollish. Oh my god. I can't even deal with it. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. And then I, really I want, want the, I want the, I want, I want Grandma Neville's, the, Grandma Limbottom. No, she does hat, not so need to be. Bam you! That would be awesome. Celebrated. She was a she's cheap shot Longbottom. I don't sell. I don't celebrate her. She took advantage of his chivalry, helping out an old lady, and caught him in his back with her. I don't. There are I don't a couple things on this her. show that we really need Joe to clear up. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. I'm going to be writing petitions in the crowd. <laughs> Dollish did not All get... Right. Oh, I can't yeah. even get that out of my head now, that little bobblehead Dollish. I want one. Yeah, it's in the trench coat. So, John, I want it because when you make me mad when we're recording or something, I'm just going to sit here and bam it. Flick it. Hey, everybody's beating up on Dollish. What did he do? What did he do but get outstanding on all of his notes? But go from the wrong side. He was always on the wrong side. I mean, he tried and he just... He... he... I don't know. He's a company man. He's a company man. He does what he's told. He, yeah, including beat guy. up on little old ladies. Can you think a, of poor Dolish's family back home who's probably like, John. what happened today, Dad? And he's like, well, they tried to use me again as a punching bag and, uh, <laughs> and you know, be the excuse for everything that's going wrong. And, See, it wasn't today because yeah. today he was in the hospital after that attack. 
Well, can you imagine his poor family uh, went okay. around can his bed? Can we stop talking about this? Can you imagine? They're like, Dad, you okay. missed dinner. What's wrong? Oh, my God. What happened, Dad? <laughs> okay. What else is happening, guys? I think... Can you I imagine think... how depressing that would be? Oh, I think it's time to end the show. I'm done. I'm going to go can-can-can can like, and bobble-bobble. Dollar Dollish's wife was all like, I made Milo for Dollish. It was your favorite. And you missed it. Do you think and there was then, a Mrs. Oh. Dollish? Whoa. Of course he's married. He has two kids. 2.5 oh. kids. Well, what you, what's half the kid gonna do? Run around without only a one leg? Well, I don't know. I guess it's it just... magic. Whatever Bye. happened to that dog that could walk on its two legs and didn't have front legs? And they had him in a <laughs> Harry Potter movie. Do you remember that? What was that guy? His name was like Trixie or something. Maybe Dollish adopted him. What? That's it. He cares well, that for animals. Certainly... That's it, John. You're right. That would certainly be up his alley, is caring for you, two-legged dogs. You know, that's why he didn't fight back against Grandma Neville. Because she's Neville got two legs. has half her limb? No, she had an animal on her head, and he didn't want to hurt the vulture. A vulture? Was- <laughs> the vultures are not very sympathetic creatures, okay, like a two-legged dog. We've gone way too far, and I'm going to leave. You guys can continue this conversation in private. But we're subjecting I'm- poor innocent people to it, and it's oh. wrong. <laughs> Oh, is there anything else we should be doing, like giving anybody a new password to the next Ooh. show? I think. Sure. Sure. Let's, Let's do, do that. Okay. All right, guys. Well, in the meantime, guys, keep twiddling those dials. The next password will be Vulture. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good, Good night. night. We've missed it. W-3. I confess myself disappointed. Now. If you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) This week's Pottercast was produced by the Pottercast Trio and Steve Bonnet. The show was edited by Steed, Hildy, Samantha, and Liz. Thanks to our Scooby 5 team, Aaron and Nina, and thanks, as always, to our awesome transcription elves for transcribing this and all our other episodes on Pottercast.com. For more information about the show and how to contact us and be a part of future episodes, visit Pottercast.com. So mysterious. I 